Welcome to This Week in Sports with Eric and Jordan. As always, I'm Eric Weirdo with Jordan Nanji, and oh boy, <laughs> a lot to talk about. Um, some good, some bad, everything in between, lots of storylines, and ooh, Jordan? Yeah, guys, uh, this is, if you, had, if you hadn't already noticed, uh, we're dropping this podcast a couple days later. We had some technical difficulties on Sundays, so it's actually going to work out a little different this week because now we can actually recap um, last week's football games and this week's. Instead of talking about the hype around the end of the baseball season, we're going to talk about the wild card game, which the Yankees and Red Sox are currently playing as we speak, a recording. So um, all kinds of good stuff. This is going to be a longer episode. We're going to kind of call it our, our super show. Or we're just going to go in depth. It'll probably run longer than usual. So uh, buckle in, boys. This is going to be a fun episode full of all kinds of fun topics we love. Uh, e, what are we going to go to first, buddy? Yeah, so involves one of our favorite topics, Deshaun Watson. But nothing new really there. But Jay Glazer um, saying keep an eye on this. Um, Houston appears to be loosening their demands on the trade. So keep that a keep your eyes open for that. There is a deadline though. Who do you got? Where, where do you have him going? What team do you think? I, I know I told I, you earlier. In the I, week, I, feel like. I still think it's Miami, but a dark horse has emerged. Philly. That's what I'm saying. Philly. I, that's where my money is. I feel like their defense can be good enough. Um, they've got good weapons. I mean, not that Miami doesn't. Miami's got a great offense, too. Um, but, yeah, I, I, don't be surprised if Philly's the one that doesn't steal them. Yeah. Um, with team, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised either to see, I mean, if these teams loosen their stance. I mean, depending on, depending on what happens um, with everything, obviously, off-field, um, it'll be uh, interesting to see what, what team lands him. I mean, there's some teams with capital that can make a move if needed. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll see there. For sure. Yeah. I know um, <laughs> uh, Philly is playing Carson Wentz plays in the season because if he gets 75% of the snaps or 70 and they make the Colts make the playoffs, that second round pick becomes a first round pick. So um, I'm sure that conditional pick, if it was Philly would be part of the deal as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely agree with that. Uh, that's a, again, like Jake Glazer said, keep your eye on it. Um, it's a interesting, uh, interesting development to watch. Um, but then let's go to our second favorite topic. We've covered it a lot. Um, it is a serious topic. More uh, ab sexual abuse claims. Um, this time in the National Women's Soccer League, um, where they canceled games. Um, they canceled all the games because of it. Um, North Carolina coach Paul Riley was accused of sexual abuse. Um, he was fired on September 30th, um, which involved accusations of sexual coercion. And they decided, and the league decided, we're canceling all the games. Um, Commissioner Lisa Baird was removed from her position on Friday, October 1st. Um, 
and yeah. You know, Eric, how many times do we have to say this? Why do we have to keep talking about this? I mean, it's important that we do. Right. Um, for a sports podcast that likes to talk about current topics and stuff, and you know, with us doing the format change, you know, this is one of the things I think that was inconsequential that we didn't realize was how relevant this topic would be on a weekly basis. Um, and for me, I think the most, obviously the whole thing is, it pisses me off, it's disappointing, insert whatever word you want to use. But what really got to me about the story was um, one or two of the victims, alleged victims, had sent emails um, to the commissioner. And yes. after a week or two of waiting, she got a reply saying, hey, what's going on? And they said, yeah, we're investigating it. That's all we can tell you at this time. And that's the last conversation I ever had about it. So, um, you know, and that's ultimately why I think Commissioner Laird lost her job. And it was, uh, it was Commissioner Laird and there was another person relevant. Uh, General Counsel Lisa Levine also resigned. Um, so, you know, commissioners and sports leagues don't resign unless there's a complete lack of accountability and culpability on their part to protect their players. And it sounds like they failed their players in this particular case. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, again, we've talked about, we talked about the NFL doing this. Um, it's uh, about protecting the shield, protecting the players, protecting the league. And it seems the NWSL failed on all levels. I mean, it's, as I mentioned, it's crazy that we're still talking about this, but it has to be brought up. I mean, the, I mean, the theme for 2020 was be better, yet somehow we're still not. Yeah, you would think at some point evolution would take its whole, <laughs> take control at some point, you know, and, you know, it's, as a man, I, I will never understand how these women feel. Um, but as a man, it just kind of, it's that same thing where it's like, damn, like, this is why a lot of women say they feel the way they feel, you know, especially about men in these positions of power, because, you know, here's exhibit number 800 million of a man that was in a position of power and took advantage of it, you know, and it's just, I'm so like disgusted with the whole thing at this point. It's like, if there's a, you know, you give me a list of five things about society we could change it would unquestionably be on the list of just this behavior that's apparently acceptable until suddenly they realize it's public and now it's not and then oh my god it's unacceptable right i mean you look back i mean not just for sexual abuse but domestic abuse um i mean what would what would the league have done if that Ray Rice video didn't come out. Or Joe Mixon. Yeah, I mean, look at all that. I mean, Joe Mixon, Kareem Hunt. I mean, if there are no videos and no evidence, that kind of set the tone um, for where we're at now in sports with that, dealing with everything. Because those videos came out, it's like, it's like there's the proof. Um, but yeah. Um, 
it's just sickening that this stuff still goes on. But um, we'll, uh, I mean, I don't think I have anything else to add on this. I mean, it's just sickening that this stuff still happens. And it's, it was yeah, the right, it was uh, the right call by the NWSL to cancel the game. Well, yeah, you know, you get people like Alex Morgan who are like, you know, like the prominent figures in sports, let alone women's soccer, you know, and, you know, this that's the kind of heroes we need people like her to speak out and be like you know this is a disgrace and your views whatever your views are on uh on rapinoe um like rapinoe it's she's out she's one of the prominent speakers um on a lot of rights i mean you need that you need those voices so we'll see but um yeah, uh, it's a. Uh, I know when we recorded this a uh, couple of Saturdays ago, um, the U.S. was dominating Europe in the Ryder Cup, and it continued into Sunday. Nineteen to nine, absolute ass kicking by the Americans over the Europeans in the Ryder Cup, a record, a record difference beating the old record of eighteen and a half. To it was uh, when you just for everyone who's not really golfers, they basically won by ten strokes. If you think about that, it's magic. Yeah. I mean that's like it's like Tiger Woods in the I'm trying to think what year it was winning. I think it was the British Open in like two thousand or two thousand one by like 15 strokes like that's how big of an ass kicking this was <laughs> um so you know my favorite story of the weekend was was how um all of the european caddies apparently had gotten into a huge stash of spotted cow and now it's like a, a favorite beer of theirs so if you guys have never heard of spotted cow it's the, the world's most delicious beer and only available in wisconsin yeah it's only only brewed in wisconsin so yeah only brewed in um, wisconsin only available in wisconsin yeah and evidently the european caddies never had it before and yeah so i read that story and i was just like you know what if europe had a victory over the weekend it wasn't on the golf course it was when they were drinking beer afterwards so good on them yes yeah so that's uh that's it right there i mean see you in two years for the Ryder cup but Ooh, it's a, I think it's a turn. I mean, you, the Europeans had dominated for a while. I mean, since, a nine, since 1999, it's only the third U.S. victory. And in an event every, held every two years, do the math on that. <laughs> um, Europeans have owned us. But U.S. has a lot of great young golfers coming up. Europeans are a little older. So I think we're seeing a turn of the tide. Um, the U.S. could dominate this tournament for probably the next three or four, I think. Um, yeah, I completely agree. I think, you know, with guys like Dushembo, Kepka, um, you know, just kind of being like those young, you know, charge chargers in golf, it, it, we've been looking for the next Tiger Woods, I think, for the last 10 years. And I don't see that in any one of these guys, but what I see is like 
10 guys that can competitively win on a weekly basis and are just going to beat the crap out of each other for the next 10 years. And if that's the case, you know, it, golf will at least have my attention for the major things. So, yep. yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, you mentioned it at the beginning, um, we have the wild card game starting, which means baseball regular season is done six months, <laughs> 162 games. Some predictions failed miserably. Um, others did not. Um, I just think, and I think there's some some of the storylines. I mean, you saw a record no hit, amount of no hitters. Miguel Cabrera joining the 500 club. Teams coming out of nowhere to win. San Francisco Giants winning the NL West. No one expected that. The Padres completely underachieved and fired their manager. Deservedly so because of that. Um, Seattle overachieved. I mean, they were in the playoff hunt until game 162. Um, the NL side of things, Cardinals were out of it and it got hot. I mean, this is a... It's, an, it's interesting. Um, I mean, that's why 162 games is a long season and anything can happen. And I think we saw a little bit of everything this year. Well, I mean, the fact that it came down to game 162 in the AL wild card and in the um, NL you West. know the NL West, where it was you know you had four teams that could have had those two spots for the AL wild card, and then it was a matter of who was going to have to play in a wild card game right. and who was going to be the number one overall seed on the NL. Um, so you know it just I think we mentioned it last week where it's like baseball is a grind; it's 160 games, but every single thing matters because. You know, Toronto right now is wishing they had one more win on their record. <laughs> you know, um, Seattle's wishing they had, you know, one or two more wins on their record to complete the, you know, Cinderella story, you know. And um, it's just, it was, it was, I watched more baseball this year consensusly than I had to probably the last 10 years. So I held through to my promise to you guys that I was going to watch more baseball. And, <laughs> um, it was a wild season, you know, from the Yankees. Uh, underachieve. Uh, definitely. I don't want to use the injury thing because I don't believe in that excuse. The, that, the Yankees were interesting this year because of the regular season, just because they started off great. It was like, okay, this is what we expect. And yeah, there's injuries, but then they just didn't play well. And there was talk. Cashman needs to go. Boone's going to get fired. And then they turn it around. <laughs> they won what fifteen straight, I think, or thirteen they, straight, or something. They won like a that. lot, yeah. I mean, they were they couldn't be beat for a while after the All Star break. I mean, they just they just came out hot. I mean, and then you had the Cardinals late season charge. You've had Oakland doing Oakland things, still missing the playoffs, and that was my AL West prediction. Um, but in a typical Oakland fashion. Chokes. Oh, well, um, you know, poor Billy Bean. But it's just, yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to look forward to. I mean, you think about, you think about uh, like momentum going into next year. Um, there's some teams that could have it. Interesting offseason for the Tigers. 
who it's hard to say they overachieved when they were, but when they were, I said in the our MLB preview, I think this is a top five pick team. They competed for second in the AL Central this year. I'll say this, and I mean, this is indicative and they of became fun. Like even though they're bad, they were still fun to watch because they. Well, it, the, Eric, it's like all of your teams. Like whether their record is good or bad, they're always really competitive. If that makes any sense, like if the Pistons are having a shitty year, it's like that Detroit mindset of like, okay, we're gonna be bad, but we're gonna still be competitive in the game. You know, the Lions are zero four right now. Yeah, they've gotten their ass kicked in some ways, but. They've been competitive, and they've hung in there, and they haven't given up, you know. And I think the Tigers are the same way, man. Like, I I don't say it enough, but I appreciate, like, that scrappy mentality of, like, yeah, we know we don't have the talent of New York or the Dodgers or Boston, but, like, we're still going to play you hard. And I I, I appreciated that sentiment of the Tigers. They would – th- to say they overachieved is a – I think is a true statement. The record's notwithstanding. I think on the field is where it counted this year for them, and they did great. I'd be very proud. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I, I mean, well, the award uh, finalists haven't been announced yet, but there may be two Tigers on there for Rookie of the Year, and Casey Mize and Akil Badu. I mean, Akil Badu was a Rule 5 pick from Minnesota. In spring training, he came up hot, and people are like, I didn't, I didn't know about this kid until then. And then he started off unbelievable and he's become a fan favorite in Detroit. Um, so, and he adds a different element to the team. So you got things like that to look forward to next year. Um, interesting off season, like I said, coming up, but we'll see that um, Padres. I'm not sure. I mean, they disappointed. I mean, they underachieved and, and you looked at, Going into the season, obviously, everyone thought this is a team that's going to go to a pen, going to go to a World Series because they had everything. They had the pitching, they had the bats. Man, it just didn't click. I mean, it happens. And it it happens like that, you know. And it there's a couple of teams. One of them I'm going to really kind of go in on later, but this off season for like five different ball clubs is like incredibly important like make or break like you're either going to fall on the good side or the bad side um and for the Padres this is like this has got to be it man you've got these guys that are in their freaking prime and they're young and they're hungry if there was ever a time to make a run like this is it and I don't know what they need to do if, if maybe it was just the manager you know you look at a team like they kind of remind me of the Cubs before they won the World Series. And it's up to them now. If Maybe if it is the manager thing, do you go out and you make that Joe Madden type of hire or do you overthink it? Yeah. Um, I think this is the – I mean, you just said there's teams to look for that it's a critical offseason for Potter. This is it. I mean, like you said, I mean, this is a team that can – has so much talent on it um, that they've done through the free agency. They've done through trades. Mackenzie Gore is still there. I mean, the home true homegrown ace right there 
if he comes in. Um, but I don't know what they need in the offseason. Um, that's, I mean, besides a new manager. Um, and the Mets will need a new manager too. Um, they fired Rojas um, or not renewed his contract. Um, but they're looking at getting uh, Epstein um, for president of baseball operations. So good luck to him. Yeah. So this, is, he... a, this is an interesting. That was, it was an interesting end of the year. I mean, I was hoping for a big. Uh, I was hoping for the Yankees and Red Sox to lose and Seattle and Toronto to win because it would have just been pure chaos for the, because you would have had two playing games for a playing game to play in the wild card game. <laughs> now, Eric, isn't that reminiscent of something that we've had an anniversary on? Yes. Um, that was a great segue. Unintentional, Thank but you. yes. No, um, it's totally intentional, but you're welcome. I know. Um, yeah. So 10 years ago, uh, 10 years ago last week, um, game 162, it was the most, we watched those games live. It was the greatest night of baseball, I think, ever, at least in our lifetime. But then you had like, guys like only saying it. Like, it was nuts. And you can thank the weather delays for all that um, in Baltimore. Um, Atlanta collapsed that year. They blew the division, which kind of gets overshadowed um, because of Boston collapsed. I mean, they, Tampa had won. Tampa was competing for the wild card spot against Boston. The Yankees won the division. Tigers were in the, won their division. Texas won their division. So it was all eyes on the wild card. Tampa and Boston. Boston just, collapsed i mean it came out francona was fired epstein was fired came out that guys like beckett and who else i can't remember like eating the fried chicken in the locker room during the game like just euglis i think was one of those guys that was doing it was just, it. it was just a bunch of shit going on there in boston but what made this night so incredible was i'm blanking on the first name but johnson for the the rays came back they were down like eight nothing in the eighth inning or something <laughs> and literally down to the last strike who was it something johnson hit a two out home run it was kelly johnson thank you to tie the You're game welcome. in tropicana field and <laughs> after longoria got him close in the eighth with a grand slam that game goes to extras meanwhile in Baltimore, there's a delay. And Boston is clinging to a lead. Two outs. And they go back-to-back doubles by Chris Davis and Nolan Reimold. And I remember Crawford sliding for that ball, and it drops. And MLB Network is split-screening this with Tampa, and you see the fans react. Baltimore had just won. Literally, I think it was like, what, like a minute later or something, time-wise? It, it was within Two minutes moments. or so. Yeah. yeah. Evan Longoria hits a ball down the left-field line, hooks it around the foul pole to walk off, 
and homer the race into the playoffs. <laughs> like it was <laughs> it was nuts. It was amazing. You know, Eric, there aren't many nights in our college lives that I remember. That was post that was post college. Was that post college? That's 2011. Yeah, that's post college. Wow. See, that's that should tell you. <laughs> but anyway, okay. So there aren't many nights in our friendship that I remember because of usually alcohol. But there are two sports, well, there's three sports moments that stick out in our friendship as far as at least that five year window. And the first one is the Kemba Walker UConn game. Yep. Um, and the second one is Carolina winning the championship uh, and winning March Madness. And us being way too drunk to decide if we were going to drive to Chapel Hill that night or not. Um, yes. We should have. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the greatest night in baseball. Yes. Um, you know, if you – yeah, I, I, no matter how well we can tell the story, that's one of those you just kind of had to be in a moment to understand it. Yeah. No, I, just did, that all by, I just did that all by memory. That's incredible. Like – it's incredible. You talking about names like Nolan Reimhold and Carl Crawford kind of blew my mind. The <laughs> fact that I pulled Kelly Johnson's name out of the hat yeah. was pretty wild. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, what a freaking fun night, man. Baseball, my favorite childhood, my favorite lifetime sports memories mm-hmm. are just littered with baseball I'm and gonna, like how crazy it is. Yeah, and I'm going to reference it again. It's our favorite reference in this pod. Moneyball how can you not be romantic about baseball? <laughs> like what I just mentioned from 10 years ago, based on just watching it. And <laughs> yeah, you can hear it in the tone of your voice. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully all the listeners can feel it too. Like it was just such a freaking cool night, you know, to be alive and to be a sports fan. And I mean, you didn't have anything know, to play for except for ruining Boston's, night which you did ruining their freaking dynasty yeah it did because uh, like i said they fired francona they fired epstein and cubs fans will thank boston for that um because he built i mean he's called the curse breaker for a reason so what a wild night man yeah, what a, it was, absolutely it was nuts um <sighs> but yeah I, going to this current generation um you and i were talking about it today and have talked about it for a while and we'll talk about probably the mvp front runner as well um shohei otani i mean i it was incredible what he did this year um and looking at his stats i mean i think it was like 5.2 war this year and only a 257 band average which would be the i looked this up last night it would be the lowest batting average by an MVP ever. <laughs> um, but the fact that what he did, I think it made him, could put him over the top, which the purist in me and you thinks it should be Vlad because, well, they were closer to the playoffs and winning record and all that. But um, Otani was asked through his translator what he wants. He said he wants to win. And I, mean, I don't know what the exact quote was, but he wants to win. Bottom line, he wants to win. If he wants yeah. that, if he wants that, he only opened to West Coast teams. He didn't look east to New York. He didn't look at Chicago. He didn't look at those teams. 
he looked at LA. Well, the only team you're going to win with in LA or out West really is the Dodgers. I mean, the Giants again came out of nowhere this year, but the Angels. And then he said he's open to resign with the Angels and his deal's up in a couple of years, which led me to say, look, you, as a Lions fan, I'm saying this. They, the Angels, the Lions have wasted two great careers in terms of not winning a title. They went to the playoffs with Sanders in the 90s. They went to the playoffs with Calvin Johnson a few times, but they didn't win. But the Angels have only been to one playoff in the 10 years since Mike Trout has been called up. And that was 2014. If you're talking about wasting talent, the Angels, I think, do it better than anyone else. And why Mike Trout signed that deal to stay in Anaheim is beyond me. I I get loyalty is not really there in sports. And if you do something like that and you win, it pays off. But at some point, they're athletes. The ultimate goal as an athlete is to win that title. I don't think it's gonna yeah. happen. I don't think it's gonna happen with the Angels. Uh, I'm gonna bring up the comparison I made earlier to you, which you may or may not have disagreed on. I don't know. I did sort of disagree uh, with this. <laughs> yeah. So the, the Angels to me remind me of the Charlotte Hornets of baseball, where they're never a bottom five team. They're never a top ten team. So I call them an in-between team because they're never bad enough to really completely rebuild, but they're never good enough to ever keep saying they're, you know, close to contention. Um, but, man, they are – this, when I mentioned earlier, this is the most important offseason they've had in 20 years. You know, it's crazy to think that it's been like 20 years since they won a World Series, but the rally David Eckstein – yeah, David Eckstein ain't showing up. Garrett Anderson isn't playing left field for you guys. You know, the Kingfish, Tam Salmon, isn't playing right field for you guys. Um, K-Rod. Yeah, like legendary team. Troy Gloss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's impressive. Uh, I don't remember any. I want to say Howie Kendrick, but I think he came later. Yeah, that was later, yeah. But, um, but anyway, anyway, like, it's, it's, this is the most important offseason. Because what's going to happen, nothing's going to happen on the time here, Trout. Um, I'm afraid they may have burned up Trout already. We'll see. Uh, you know. I've made this comparison. I think we're looking at my, Mike Trout. I think I'm comparing him to the kid, Ken Griffey Jr. I mean, all the tools to be the greatest of all time. And then injuries happen. I mean, Trout's been injured a lot. He signed a massive deal. Otani had that Tommy John surgery, and I, okay, I'll say this. He's done as a pitcher. Okay, he went 9-2 this year with like 150 strikeouts. I am wrong on that. I'm sorry. But I think at some point with him, he's going to have to make a choice. Not only if he stays a two-way player, but if he wants to win, 
you're going to have to get out of Anaheim. I well, I don't see this team doing anything. I they don't develop. They haven't developed a, ta- a farm system. They haven't really brought in pitching, and they're just. They've never had protection from Mike Trout. I mean, they like. I mean, they brought Pujols in. Um, okay. Got called up, <laughs> but then he got injured. But old now, and broken Pujols. But now you, know, you got, like, yeah. But now you got in that whole situation. But then they bring in, then they have Otani, and then when you're those three in the lineup when healthy. Obviously, I mean, that's actually a terrifying <laughs> three, four, five right there. And you have that protection for Trout, but it never came to be because at some point, every one of those players were injured for a long time. I just, I don't like to your point about Otani, he needs to get in at Los Angeles Angels. They're the Anaheim Angels, which is another problem. You know, that's another comparison that I can make like to the Hornets. Los, that, An- Los Angeles of Anaheim Angels. Yeah, whatever, whatever they're, they're called. Yeah. They're the Anaheim Angels. They will always be the Anaheim Angels to me. The only LA team is the Dodgers. But anyway, um, you know, is that like they they want to act like they're a big market club, but they don't do the things that big market clubs do, you know? Say what you want to about how the Yankees are going about things. But if you're a a well-known hitter in their lineup, you know, you're not just going to be on there. It's not like they go out and sign one $100 million guy. They have two guys on a freaking payroll that are $300 million contracts, and Aaron Judge is coming up soon. If you don't think he's going to get one, you might be out of your mind, too. You know, one of them is on the mound tonight, um, you know, pitching, so he's he better earn his keep. Um, but, like, you know, so if you're going to really be a big market team in Los Angeles, You've got to go out and spend money and get guys, you know, and the Dodgers have never been afraid to either, you know, prospects or trades or then lock up guys like Kershaw. Like, to me, the Angels always play like they always manage their team like they're scared of winning. And I'm telling you, this is the offseason. If they go out this year in the offseason and they shit the bed, I don't know who the top free agents are and shit like that. But they need a there's culture a lot, change. There's a lot of shortstops. Um, Seager, Story, Carrera. I mean, there's some solid bats coming up um, in free agents. So, guys that won't carry your team. But if Trout has to miss 20 games, a guy like Seager can get hot for 20 games and lift you. And that's how these big money ball clubs stay relevant. You know, the Yankees were in the shitter. They went out and got Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo. Well, magically, they go on a winning streak. It's not like those two guys were the only reason, but it was infusing that life and that energy into the ball right. club for that stretch until the other guys could come back. You know, and it, it's just, I don't know. I'm so disappointed in the Angels. I've always liked them. I love that World Series team back in the day. Um, you know, and then you've got guys like the Nick Aiden Hart thing and stuff like that. Like that's not, it's not a ball club I can hate. <laughs> right. They're nowhere near the Astros in my the, book. The Tyler so. Skaggs incident, like Yeah, like I mean, there's they've just had young they've had young promising pitchers literally taken away from them through one I mean Aiden Hart was the drunk driver and Tyler Skaggs was the fentanyl. Um, which is that whole situation is fucked up in its own right. 
because that's the team trainer. So, yeah, um, there's a lot going on that needs to be fixed in Anaheim. Uh, I just, I'm a frustrated Lions fan, Detroit sports fan right now. That actually feels bad for the Angels because at least they have the players that give their teams hope and their teams do nothing around them. Yeah, it's because you see Mike Trout and you see Calvin Johnson. You know, you see Shohei and you see Barry Sanders, you know. You, you see All these generational players. legendary players that are stuck on these shit teams, you know, that aren't going anywhere. And they're good, likable guys. They're not like A-Rod, who's very unlikable. Um, you know, they're good. Like, Mike Trout's like a great dude. They're not. They're Shohei not Tani is like, I don't know. I just, they're not, they're I, not I, I love both. Like you use. Um, so. I don't know. It's just. That's it. I'm, not, I'm done going in on the Angels. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, yeah, one of the storylines that we unfortunately missed last week um, due to there were some technical difficulties. It seemed to, it kind of wasn't made a big deal per se, but on Twitter and social media, it blew up. And Tennessee backed out of Army, a scheduled series with Army for Akron. Now, Look, this happens when teams reach back. I mean, this happens, but the reason, I mean, this, there's a lot that happens here. I mean, Tennessee Volunteers, they're named after volunteers for war. So there's that. Also, that weekend that this game was supposed to happen, instead, of Akron's playing in Knoxville. Military members are getting the highest honor they can get. And they're not going to be honored at that game because of this. Tennessee fucked this up. Jordan? I'm just disappointed. You know, I'm not Tennessee. I'm disappointed. <laughs> yeah, like, just worse. Tennessee, can we be real with Tennessee? Nobody has given a shit about you outside of Knoxville in 20 years. Yeah. Nobody has cared about your football program since Phil Fulmer was the head coach there. <laughs> no offense to David Cutcliffe, great coach. Um, but, you know, you haven't had a good prominent quarterback that your school was known for since Peyton Manning. You know, you are the skid mark on the SEC right now. You have to play Vandy every week just to get a damn win every year. And for you to be like, well, Army is too hard of a game. And, you know, we want to try and schedule more. That's really what it was about. Yes. Which is what a lot of these SEC schools do. It's, it's, not, it's not only the SEC schools, do, but look and see who Alabama, you know, has played, you know, and tell me if that's compared to some of these teams like in the ACC or the Big Ten. And it's just – I'm just disappointed. You know, these veterans deserve to have that honor. They deserve to have that weekend, you know, and I'm not saying it's on Tennessee to honor those guys because, you know, no, but like, you have an, we should honor our, 
our men and women that have served. Which we do a terrible job as a country, but anyway. Yeah, that's a um, different subject, but, yeah. but the reason <laughs> we're not going down that yeah, rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, but the reason this stands out, like I said, I mean, look at the name of the volunteers. That's what these men and women are doing now. There's no draft anymore. Like, you're looking, these men and women signed up to sacrifice family life, potentially give up their life so we can enjoy what we enjoy here. And the fact that Tennessee removed Army, I mean, look, Army, Michigan in 2019, when they took Michigan to overtime. Michigan's not that wasn't really that good, uh, but still, I mean, that's an independent service academy going into the biggest stadium in in American sports and almost winning. I I hope another school and I hope, Akron, I hope Akron beats Tennessee because of this. I hope that, and I hope another school with more prominence than Tennessee, who, like I said, hasn't done shit in 20 years. So Army was doing them a favor, giving them some good press, in my opinion. Um, you know, I hope they get that game scheduled to a better school and to a more deserving school and to a more deserving city. And that, you know, these people that literally, like the Middle of Honors for like the highest acts of heroism and courage and battle. Like these aren't just like normal soldiers, which I'm appreciative of all soldiers, but like these are people that like were in battle that saved lives, that did something nobody would ever have the balls to do. Yeah. They deserve to be honored. And this is so I know this isn't this isn't a movie, but these are the type these are the men and women like that you wouldn't really expect that are built differently. They're like the scene in Captain America First Avenger, where they throw the dummy grenade and Steve Rogers is the only one that jumps on it. Those are the types of men and women were that are getting this, these medals that will jump on a grenade to save, potentially save, not only save others, but die saving others by jumping on stuff that no, <laughs> you're built differently if you do stuff like that. I have the utmost respect for all service men and women because there's no way in hell I can do stuff like that. <laughs> and for Tennessee to back out because mainly the game was too tough, quote unquote, for them, when the plan was to do all this and have these servicemen and women who may have gone to the service academy, may have, may, may not have, but if, if those Medal of Honor recipients went to Army and they're and they're going to be honored before the game or at halftime, and they find out, and they found out that this game's not happening. That's a fuck you to them, and that's why I'm disappointed in Tennessee. That's the theme of this week is disappointed. Because I, if we're to, the next topic we're going to talk about, I'm disappointed in that person too. Yes. Um, so we're segueing into this week. Um, so the Thursday night football last week to yeah, Cincinnati's actually surprise teams this year but 
you look at that, you go into the preseason, see a Thursday night game of Cincinnati and Jacksonville, thinking, holy shit, this game's going to suck. <laughs> um, but it came down to the wire, and Cincinnati kicked a field goal at the end. Well, after the game, Urban Meyer didn't fly back with the team, didn't prepare for the next game. He went to Columbus to visit his grandchildren, but went out and but also went out to a bar that he owns in the Columbus area. Well, oh boy. <laughs> well, it came out that uh, Urban was flirting and had a young woman grinding on him. Spoiler alert, not Mrs. Meyer. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, and those that know me, those that have listened to the podcast, this isn't, and this has nothing to do with me hating Ohio State. I've hated Urban Meyer since he was at Florida uh, because of his BCS stance that there should be the, a team that wins their con- doesn't win their conference shouldn't get title shouldn't get a title shot. But here we are and all that. But it worked out for them. They won a couple natties. But that's not why I hate him. Well, that is a big reason. He also likes to cover stuff up and lie about it and. He may be a good coach. I don't. I haven't met him, but just from seeing the stuff that's happened in his career, where what has followed, what's happened, I just don't think he's that good of a human. <laughs> yeah, he um, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that I would want to like send my kid to learn how to be a good man too. You know what I'm saying? Like part of the whole college thing is like, I'm going to send my kid, you know, to be with you so you can help grow his career. And he'll get your kid to the pros. That's been a proven fact. But if your kid's like a pro prospect, he'll get your kid to the pro, but he's definitely not going to teach him how to not be a piece of crap. Um, I do want to acknowledge one technicality. It's not a technicality. He didn't actually commit a crime. No, look, there's yeah, nothing wrong with what he did wrong, from the standpoint. Yeah, there's nothing going on with the bar. I mean, it's not a fireable offense. The girl, the girl was legal. Everything like, was legal. He yeah. wasn't like having like openly like sexual relations with her. She was dancing on him. He clearly wasn't against it, but you know, right. like I just I did want to point that out. And then I think what really pissed me off today was his half-ass apology. He <laughs> yes. gave. Or it was yesterday. It was yesterday. Monday, yeah, yesterday. Yeah, and then it was just like, yeah, you know, I was visiting my kid. I should have left. Yeah, and, you know, no mother effer. You went to that bar with the intention of getting smashed. And then when you saw those girls there, by the way, one of the things he kept saying the whole time reportedly was how he wished he could keep playing Rutgers. Nobody, this is the second time he's commented about, like, comparing, like, his NFL coaching career to, like, college somebody should tell him that Rutgers isn't on the schedule anymore. You know, the best player at Rutgers may be a mid-round draft pick in the NFL. He's going up against 31 other Alabamas, literally. Every NFL team has him. (laughs) But, like, he just doesn't get it. And it's abundantly clear. No, and I think I said when when I saw Jacksonville was going to sign him as coach – 
I was like, this is going to be a train wreck. And so far, it has been. <laughs> I don't think he makes the season. I really, I think he's going to say that. Was it you that said it? December, USC? <laughs> yeah. Like, I just, USC hasn't filled that coaching job for a reason. That's all I'm saying. You know, I mean, there are plenty of good coaches right now that are out there that are like color commentators or ESPN. They could be talking to, and they may be. But do you think for a second USC won't fork over a load of cash to the Jaguars, buy out his contract, and send him back to where he belongs, where he can go party with 19-year-olds on a weekly basis? You know, I just – you know who I feel bad for is his wife because this is not the first time he's embarrassed her. And – You look at the Zach, first of all, the Zach Smith situation. Yeah, she, she – she, first of all, she's a pretty lady. Let's just – let's be real. It's not like, you know, he's married to, like, the librarian of Sheboygan. Well, it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't matter. pretty lady. It doesn't matter. I mean, that, that's irrelevant. But And she's been married, like, since, like, the 80s. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Like, I'm not going to even remotely get personal. But, like, bro, if you're not happy in your situation, move the F on. You know? Right. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm going to take personal but, stuff out of this, too. But it's it's just with urban I don't know, man. He's he's a coach, I think, that when things get difficult, he doesn't know how to deal with it. Because he's never dealt with it. I mean, this is the first four-game losing streak of his career in any level. He likes to be on cruise control. And when things go south... He doesn't know what to do. Um, and there's a line, um, kind of last scene of Miracle, where two things, well, two things that finals of that game that they show. One, the Soviets pulling Trediak, an overreaction move, in my opinion. But the last one was they didn't pull the backup Michigan because they didn't know how to handle that situation. Because they've never dealt with it. The same way I'm equating Urban here. Because he's never dealt with this type of adversity. And I'm not talking about scandals. He's had his share of that. Uh, but coaching-wise, he's never... I mean, when Florida started to struggle, it was the health reasons. Yes, I'm sure there were health reasons. I'm sure something did happen. But he then says, I am taking some time off or a couple of years off, and then Ohio State calls, and he jumps to Ohio State. And then that scandal hits. He leaves. Becomes an analyst. I thought he was a great analyst. He knows the game. But I always thought he belonged in college. I Very few college coaches can translate to the NFL. And I think we're... I think Carolina is going to be a team to watch um, with Matt Rule. Um, that's why they gave him that contract. But for the most part, Saban failed. Spurrier failed. Meyer failing in its early small sample. But the point remains: these coaches, it doesn't. The game doesn't translate from college to NFL. Yes, we're trying. Yes, you're seeing it. You're trying to see it with young coaches and these pass happy offenses but 
it doesn't necessarily work for everyone. I think to your point, Eric, this is the last thing I've ever been. He's always come off to me as kind of an arrogant prick. Like, he's good, and he knows it, and he's not afraid to tell you he's good. And you know what? If I was in his position, I'm not saying this as coming from somebody in that position that understands what it feels like to be like that, you know, somebody that's below average looking and certainly not a successful NFL coach. Um, you know, I just I think he needs to be humbled a little bit. And, you know, Sean Khan said today, you know, <laughs> That there are reports they were discussing firing him over this. Um, so if he thinks his little, you know, arrogant, it just his apology was arrogant. I just I mean, he's, he's just not a fit. He's going to lose that locker room if he has it already. There's reports that he already has. Yeah, he has zero. I've read reports from Adam Schefter that he has zero credibility in that locker room. Yeah. So um, I mean, this is as a Lions fan, been down this road. You lose the locker room, you're done. And honestly, if Bob Quinn wasn't buddy buddy with Matt Patricia, Matt Patricia wouldn't have lasted would have lasted a year. I one hundred percent believe that. Oh, I completely agree. Matt Patricia. Again, it's just one of those things like 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 Dan Quinn, like amazing coordinator. He's done shit with the Dallas defense that I never thought I'd see them do it on a crappy all defense. Not a good head coach, you know. And with Urban Meyer, it's, you know, when it comes to like 19, 20 year olds, it just seems like he can relate to them because he he doesn't know how to be a professional athlete. You know, he doesn't understand to be a professional head coach. So he he's gonna go back to college. It's as clear as day, you know. And I think it is he'll go back to, you know, being in the freaking I hate it because he's probably going to go to USC. And, and the last thing I want to hear about is how good the Trojans are every year. And he's going to win. So just prepare yourselves, everybody, that Urban Meyer doesn't make you know make the Jags Jaguars work. He's going back to college, and he's going to win no matter what he does. And if he goes to USC, we're going to have to deal with that all over again. Prepare yourselves. Yeah, absolutely. But uh... – since we're talking about uh, NFL and college, uh, you know, we missed the little recap, uh, brief recap of week three. My God, I've experienced so much heartbreak in my life as a Lions fan. I'm numb to it at this point because first off, fourth and 19. Fail. But here's a point. I mean, and then a missed delay game. Two seconds ran off after the whist, after the play clock, and Justin Tucker kicks a sixty-six fucking yard field goal that bounced off the post and over. No other team does this happen to <laughs> more than the Lions. And my dad and I are watching this game, and we're seeing this develop. And the funniest thing about this, I have to laugh because it's going to be sad otherwise, is I text one of my cousins, not Dave, but his brother Dan, and him and I have, Dan and I have talked about ways like the Lions can lose. The funny thing is like, as this drive is going on, I'm like, jokingly, now I've got a 70-yard field goal. Damn near close. (laughs) 
was a 66 yarder but here's a but as a lions fan i'm conditioned to think horrible ways of losing because even if they had called that delay a game most likely a hail mary would have either been completed or there would have been a flag and justin tucker still beats us That's yeah, man, I'm sorry that happened. That's my mindset as a Lions fan. That uh, <laughs> like I said, man, like at least the Lions are playing hard. You know, like I, 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 I'm a realist. That does that moral victory shade doesn't work for me. Like, well, you did well. You know, you tried real hard. Okay, I want to win. I want to figure out how to win, not to play hard and lose. <laughs> like, you know, can I play not as hard and win instead? That would be super. Um. I think for me, from week three, what one or two weeks it's been for the Rams and Bucks. Um, you know, so week week three, the Rams went out and completely beat up on Tom Brady and the Bucks. And to skip ahead a little bit, week four, they went out and got their shit pushed in by the last remaining undefeated team in the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I'm still rooting for the Rams. You know, I'm still – I know I don't talk about it as much because – you're normally the Matt Stafford lover, and I'll let you get all the shine on that. I want to see that guy do well. And I just – I hope the Rams can figure it out. But, you know, th- it's been very clear now that they have a strategy, which is we're going to throw the damn ball to Cooper Cup 100 times. <laughs> if he catches it, we win. And if we don't – if he doesn't, we don't. And those two games were indicative um, of that. And just really quick, too, Dallas – I'm trying so hard not to believe the hype. <laughs> um, Dan Quinn has some dogs on that defense that I admittedly overlooked. Trayvon Diggs right now is seriously like in contention for defensive player of the year this year. And I never would have guessed that. His Dan, I, mean, I knew Dan, he was Dan, good. Dan Quinn's defense, though. Again, what are they known for, though? Defensive yeah, but. Backs. It fit, he also had fits defensive backs, but he also had Sherman and Earl Thomas. You know, he made Brandon Browner a good player for Christ's sakes. You know, and I just didn't see the personnel. You know, I will say my continued man crush of Michael Parsons. That kid is ridiculous. But you are now down. That, you are now down a linebacker, Jalen Smith released. Uh, so it doesn't matter. Next man up. <laughs> we uh, we drafted Jabril Cox this year for a reason. So step up. You know, we're going to have the all under 25 defense, apparently. You know, we're already down tank. Randy Gregory looked like a monster against the Panthers. So Dallas is three and one. I saw Stephen A today made them their number two team in the NFL. I almost fell out of my chair reading that. So I. Um, they're not the number two team. It's like I told you earlier. I don't They're think so. a fringe top five, definitely in the top ten team. You yeah. cannot – there's no argument you can make that says they're not a top ten team. Yeah, I would agree with that. Not number two. 10, but they're not te- – no, definitely not number two. <laughs> not number two. Like, um, but that's all I have for week three. Yeah, I mean, week three saw a lot of – a lot of stuff. But, I mean, week four of NFL – Obviously, the biggest story Sunday night, the goat returned to Foxborough. That weather was shitty. That game was boring. <laughs> I credit boring. Dan Fogelman. I'm sorry. 
I credit Nick Falk. I mean, he hit the upright on a 56-yard field goal with that rain and wind. That's fucking impressive. But he hit the post and it bounced out. See, no other team does that shit happen to. I'm of a mindset that if a kicker's hitting a 50-plus yard field goal and they miss it, unless they just completely shank it, if it like goes near the post, I don't fault the kicker. You know, you miss a 35-yarder, you shouldn't be an NFL kicker. No, I agree you know, with that. I think, he, I think after a certain distance, you kind of go like, okay, that's not on the kicker. Yeah, like the, the ball's going to carry, especially in conditions where it's rainy and it's windy. And I, I don't think I saw a lot of Nick Folk, you know, hate out there. But, like, I, he could have just as easily made that kick as he did miss it, so. But Adam Vinatieri Benater- uh, kicked that well, one in the division game that started the dynasty in the snow. Uh, I guess. Hey, I do want to congratulate the Jets and Giants on getting the first win as well. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's just so hey, no, funny to me. It bodes well. It bodes well draft pick-wise, even though we were oh, going to pick lower than four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Lions have some contention. For that top pick, I mean, Houston this week, Buffalo, I was worried about that game in Pittsburgh, especially considering how bad that team is. But they've shut out the Washington football team and the Houston Texans in back-to-back weeks. Uh, Speaking of the Washington football team, I try to come at this from a subjective point of view. That's why I gave them a lot of love in our NFL preseason preview. You're disappointed. Their defense does not play for everything that Cal – they lack everything the Cowboys have and have everything they don't because the Cowboys don't have talent at all, and they're playing way above what they're capable of. Washington has talent at every level, and they are not playing close to what they're doing. It's very on Ron Rivera-like. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure um, what to think of them. Uh, that defense is so disappointing this year. Um to watch i mean i they have they have montez sweat from mississippi state they have chase young those are two terrifying individuals jonathan uh, allen deron Payne. that's yeah. their four defensive linemen yeah like oh my god like, yeah no that team <laughs> so good it's a scary front four but they've done nothing they haven't got the pressure on the quarterbacks um but yeah it's gonna be interesting I mean, they've got some more. They got some more shit going on. I mean, did you hear that their football, their facility was raided by the feds because yeah, of their-, their head trainer. I didn't <laughs> see what he was raided for. It apparently it has nothing to do with Washington. Which, hey, congrats, Washington! You got federally raided, and it didn't involve your football team for once. There's a gold star. I, I didn't read what happened, why they raided it though, or like yeah. what the subject was. Something unrelated to the, something not related to the team. Some criminal investigation. You know, Dan Snyder but, was sweating out million, that, I mean, it's interesting. Vermillion was followed Rivera. So from Carolina. So I wonder if that ties back to them too. I doubt it. They cleaned house from everybody from that Rivera era. Cleaned house. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, David Tepper, like they 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 didn't do the keep pounding chant the first week. Yeah. They try the not pounding, the, keep pounding, the keep pounding chant's been around since Sam Mills and 
that should never go away. Yeah, I agree they did add that weird semi-reality panther thing. That's, I guess, kind of cool. Yeah. I don't but, know. Uh, but I haven't really watched them. I mean, where I'm at right now, I'm occasionally I'll get a Lions game, but I mean, they get the godforsaken Packers, uh, which is a whole, it's just a whole nother level of misery to my life up here. Oh, I'm so sorry, man. Aaron <laughs> yeah, Rodgers' play is so good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, shit. Now, all I can say to my grandfather is, yep. Yes, he is. I have to contain, I have to bottle up every emotion I have in terms of my hatred of that team um, when I'm with him, uh, which sucks, but I do. But, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, they've actually played pretty well. I mean, after that first game, um, after that first game, they've played pretty well. Yeah, that, them and Buffalo got kicked in the teeth really hard in week one, and they both bounced back, like, Went in three straight since. So, yeah, yeah no, I mean, don't it's... don't throw dirt on those graves. No, um, and there's a, but we talked about this. I mean, we talked about the quarterback and the quarterbacks in the NFC North. Kirk Cousins is quietly having a really good year in Minnesota. That he they played the Browns tough on Sunday. Yeah, tough. Yeah, they. they... They kept up with that defense, and Cousins looked pretty good. Um, not saying he's great, but he's in a contract year. And so Minnesota's in – I don't know if Minnesota resigns him or or what, but um, – It all cool. depends on Kellen Mond. If yeah. they think he's the heir apparent, they'll, they'll let him walk, I think. Yeah. I, I, he – I mean, I know this sounds weird. If you were to put him right now on a team like the Redskins, or I'm sorry, the football team, wow. Um, Man, and, he won't make and, their defense play better. And guess what? Washington had two opportunities. Yeah, and they, and they, they tagged they him both of them. They tagged him both, and they and he couldn't get a deal done. Yeah, that, that, that whole who's better at him versus RG3, that didn't really work out so well, did it? No. Um, but, but yeah, uh, that. In the NFL, I mean, week five coming up. Well, we're already in week five. Um, week six in college. Yeah. Um, week five kicks off on Thursday with a great game. Rams at Seahawks Thursday night. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, uh... First London, it, that, first London game this year. This first London game of the year. Jets Falcons. Oh dear God. Browns Chargers. Um, uh, Green Bay Cincinnati. That's a that's quietly a good game. You know, uh, San Francisco Arizona. Trey Young's really first start. And then they're the game of the week, no question to me. Sunday Night Football, Chiefs Bills. Yeah, that's definitely. That's definitely the game right there. Um, Chiefs Bills Sunday I've night. Actually, I've actually got some college games to look out for too. Yep. I will I'll try to overachieve this week. Yeah, we'll try we'll touch on that real quick. Uh, I'm just looking at the schedule to see if there's any games that really stand out. I mean Thursday stands out. Sunday stands out. Mm-hmm. Monday night is Colts Ravens. Yeah. 
will it will they break the consecutive rushing 100 yard rushing game by a team record which pissed Vic Fangio off um but here's my thought on that I mean for those know Baltimore was up big and instead of taking a knee needed three yards to continue this this 43 games with a 100 yard rusher and Lamar Jackson ran it and the team had 100 rushing yards and they were up like 17 and ran out the clock from there but Fangio was pissed because of that well Fangio what were you doing down 17 trying to score it's the old Belichick approach like you uh you think you still have a shot we're gonna keep playing like why is you know, it Eric- why is it okay for a team to why is it okay for a team to keep trying to score when the other team up big shouldn't should just quit playing? It would it would be one thing if they were airing it out, but they were running the ball. Right. And my mentality is always if you don't like what we're doing to you, fucking stop me. Yep. And if you didn't like Lamar Jackson running the ball, guess what? Stop him. Stop them. Like, it, it, it's just, it's the NFL. Get over it, Vic. Yeah. You know, you have a team that was grossly overrated because they played every team that didn't have a win. And, you know, you think you're happy right now with Teddy Bridgewater as your quarterback. Take it from somebody that watched a lot of Panthers football last year. You're not going to be after about week eight. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. just the nature of the beast. So uh, my thoughts are, if he doesn't like it, stop him. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, college football. It was, I think I'd call that, I'd call the week, because uh, we recapped it, I called week five um, upset week. I mean, there are some, I mean, and there are two games in the SEC that I thought were going to be fun and close. Uh, they weren't. Alabama destroyed Ole Miss. And Georgia kicked the shit out of Arkansas. Oh my God. Georgia's the real deal. Georgia's legit. You can say what you want about Alabama. I think Georgia might be the best team in the country. I do. You know what? Come at us, fans. Tell us we're wrong because we're on the same page. Georgia's better than Alabama. They're scary. I think they I think that defense is just so fucking good. It's time Kirby Smart ascends, I think. And I think this is the year. Yeah. I think this is the year he ascends to Nick Saban and takes out. You know, the student has become the master. Kirby Smart's taken out. No no, uh, apprentice of Saban has beaten him. It's happening this year. I'm calling it. Book it. All right. There we go. Hopefully hopefully it comes down to the SEC title game for that. Um, But – but yeah, I mean, Kentucky pulled beat Florida. Um, Texas A&M lost. So you saw some upsets in the SEC. Which is my boys in Cincinnati. Cincinnati beating Notre Dame in South Bend. Which Luke, Luke, Luke Fickle, baby. I'm gonna say it. I don't know. I mean, I don't think Notre Dame. They have some great players. Kyle Hamilton. He's going top six. Um, 
I just don't want him to de- be Detroit because fuck if we take a if we take a defensive back in the with our first pick <laughs> again. Oh, maybe this one won't suck. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, but yes. Um, I just don't think. And also, first, I mean, I'll take this. Congratulations, Brian Kelly. You passed Newt Rockney for the all-time wins as Notre Dame coach. Congratulations for that. I do mean that in all sincerity. But for the most part, I don't know. I mean, I just think Notre Dame, I mean, they played a Wisconsin team that has disappointed um, at Soldier Field, um, who then got their ass kicked by Michigan. <laughs> At home, um, so I don't. So Wisconsin, it's been a disappointing year for Wisconsin. The Big Ten right now, you're looking at four teams in the, in the top ten. Um, you got a top five battle this week in Iowa City, Hawkeyes versus Nittany Lions. That's going to be a good game. I'm excited for that. That's going to be Big Ten football on his best right there. I mean, that's going to be a. This is the Kirk Ferentz team that every five to seven years makes a major bull and how i know that is because the math lines up 2002 orange bowl 2009 orange bowl 2015 rose bowl guess what it's been five we're in the five to seven year window i um the game i'm looking at is actually friday arizona state stanford to kick off Stanford, the weekend. Stanford with a big upset. Yeah. Contra, little controversy. And then Arizona State beating UCLA. Yeah. So I know Dave, I think Dave had them going for, I think he was a believer in Chip Kelly. He was, uh, yes. Oops. Um, that, that whole preseason darling, Arizona State, you know. We, uh, neither, our Pac-12 predictions hit the shit, hit the bed hard. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I think I was out first with Utah second, and then you guys followed not long before me, so. I, I went out last week. When Oregon lost, but you know, speaking of Georgia, they're playing against Auburn this week. That's an interesting game. That's going to be a good game. Auburn is one of those teams where it doesn't matter how good or bad they are; they always will go out there and punch in the mouth. This will be Georgia's test. Like this is like their Alabama prep game. Like <laughs> you know, it. I couldn't name you a single player on Auburn's team. I just know that right now, what kind of style of football they're going to play. And it's going to be smash mouth and good defense. And, um, you know, I just – Georgia's so good, though. Oh, my God. I watched part of that game Saturday, and it was bad. Yeah. And they were doing that to a top-10 team. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. That's so yeah. scary. No, that – and that Arkansas team isn't – it's not bad. <laughs> that, that team is solid. Um but yeah, I mean, the only player I can name on Auburn is Bo Nix, the quarterback. Good call. Yeah, I know him. Okay, good call. Yeah. But um, but yeah, that's a that's a good game. Um, you got the Red River rivalry. So I had to slow down when I say that. Um, it used to be called the Red River Shootout, but cancel culture changed that name. Ooh, we can't have guns in our name. <laughs> But, uh, but yes, uh, the Red River game is Will Spencer Rattler. Texas, Oklahoma. <laughs> you got to, the, the, something's got to break in this game. Is Texas finally going to play up 
and actually beat a team that plays better than them? Or is Spencer Rather finally going to lose his streak of losing to teams you shouldn't lose to? Yeah. Um, Because he... (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you got... uh, I mean, I'm looking at the schedule this week. Um, Just with the AP Top 25, there's only one game... There's only two games, three games where this... Where the top top 25 meet. Or three or four games, I think. Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, and Mississippi. So it's the battle of who can bounce back after getting their ass kick game, as I'm going to call it. Um, Georgia, Auburn, um, Iowa State, Iowa, Penn State. That is, that's going to be a good game. Don't sleep on Kentucky this year. Uh, Kentucky is pretty good. But I'm just going to say it. The surprise team, your backyard. Where did they come from? Dude, you took the words out of my mouth. Dave Clawson should be a coach at a bigger program is not. I'm so excited you mentioned that because Wake Forest, that team has the weirdest. If you've never watched them play, that is the strangest offense to run I've ever seen. They run this RPO thing, and it's like a delayed start RPO, but they're good. Like, <laughs> they they could go out. They beat Louisville last week. Um Ranked you know, 19th in the country now. Undefeated. And I don't think they're going to remotely sniff, you know, the championship. If they go to play, if they go, if they go undefeated, I, I mean, I said this after Clemson went to two losses, the ACC, I think, is done because I don't yeah. think an undefeated Wake Forest team is better than like a one loss Big Ten team. I think for them, just going to Charlotte to play in the ACC championship would be that would be freaking amazing. Like, and they, I, I doubt you keep up with Wake Forest football. I do, just because I'm, I'm in town, and right. you know, that's what people talk about. And it's like they've been building this. Dave Clawson is such a good coach. He's such a good, and he's such a decent person. Like, you hear him speak to the media, and he is a football coach, man. Um, you know, he went out and beat the other darling from our state, Scott Satterfield, last last week. You know, Satterfield's yep. a coach at Louisville and, mm-hmm. you know, was coaching at out of state. And I think Clawson is going to be the next, you know, smaller NC college coach to get plucked to put in a big program. And, um, yeah, man, thank you for the shout to Wake Forest. It, I'm always going to be a Tar Heel fan, but um, what there's a radio show in town. Um, and they, they, they call Wake Forest Norway. And I, I've listened to this radio program for, I can't remember, it's WSJS here in Winston. They call it Norway, and I can never understand why, and they finally answered the question of the day. They said Norway is that country that nobody's ever mad at. And it's like, no matter how much Duke, Carolina, and they hate each other, nobody's ever mad if Wake Forest wins. Same. Yeah. But um, you know, shout out to Wake. Um, they are. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's gonna be a fun. It could be a fun team to watch. See how this plays out. But thank you for joining uh, our uh, super show. Uh, a lot. I know we covered a lot. I know this is long, so we do apologize. But it wasn't a super show for nothing. Um, hope you enjoyed the topics. Uh, hope you enjoyed the rants, the passion. 
And as always, I'm Eric Weirdo with Jordan Angie. Take care, sports fans. Go Yankees and bye, guys. Thank you.